and um, I've been kind of going through the Psalms in my own uh, study, and um, I hope to, uh, you know, uh, I've got this crazy surgery coming up, and I've been trying to think, you know, what, where can I do a little more in-depth study that maybe will give me a, uh, a jump start into, um, uh, you know, an evening like this or something, and so... Um, praying about that. Pray with me about that. I don't know. There's so many different th things that run through my mind, uh, but you know, it's it's like it always works. You go you go on a trip somewhere, um, you know, saying I'm going to be on a trip for five hours in the airplane or in the car. And I'm going to read this book entirely all the way through, and then you get done with your trip and you never touch the book. You know, so I know that that's going to happen to me, especially with uh, two uh, children running around the house, it's liable that that will take place, but um, I'm going to need to push myself just the same. So uh, Psalm 84, and uh, let's read through this psalm here together as we uh, look here with one another. Word of God says, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well, the rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Let's pray. Our heavenly gracious Father, Lord, we thank you uh, that uh, we can trust in you, that we can lean on you. And Lord, as we consider this psalm tonight, may we glean what you would have for us and, uh, and only what you would have for us. We ask that your Holy Spirit would work in it through. Encourage and challenge us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to plug through this psalm here together tonight, and uh, I want to bring your attention to uh, these blesseds, uh, the blessed individuals that we find in this psalm. The first of these is found in verse 4, where the Word of God says, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. A lot of reference being made here to the house, the house of God, could we say even the sanctuary of God, and or also known as the tabernacle. Uh, it's not, uh, uh, am I on tonight? Can you hear me okay, uh, Brother Phil? I can't even tell. But um, uh, it's, it's not a matter of, uh, uh, or it's, it's not to uh, forget the fact that uh, there is a parallel to both God and the tabernacle. We find that at more than one time within Scripture. But what we find more specifically in mention of and in reference to is that of heaven itself. Scripture doesn't mention much of, uh, of heaven as in comparison to hell. Uh, we know many things about heaven, uh, but we find the psalmist really dwelling upon uh, some of these uh, things concerning heaven itself. And re he refers to heaven as being that of the house of God. Um, he begins the psalm by saying, 
How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts? That interesting word amiable is, uh, is also translated lovely. How lovely is the house of God? When we consider the tabernacle, or could we say even in today's day and age of the church, it is to be uh, one that is not taken lightly. It's, it is to be beautified. It is to be in, uh, dressed and, uh, um, uh, as an honor and glorification to God. So we consider heaven itself so much and even greater, so much more wonderful, truthfully, than we could even hardly describe within words and even contain in our mind maybe to understand outside of what Scripture gives us in and of itself. And so the psalmist says, How lovely are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! How wonderful it is to dwell upon the house of God. That is what verse 4 is, a conclusion to the thought of verse 1 through 3. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. That is to say, figuratively, within our uh, minds, we're dwelling in, a, uh, in an attitude of worship we've seen in previous psalms, but in the very same way, in a, in a um, recognition of the house of God, of heaven itself, in view, in our mind, how lovely it is to consider it. Amen. How lovely it is to consider that we will spend eternity with God in heaven. And notice how he describes it. He says uh, in verse 2, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. There's three references he makes to the whole of man. He says in verse 2, My soul, my heart, my flesh, every part of me crieth for the living God. I desire to be together with God in heaven. There's a desire, uh, uh, but yet a dwelling upon this desire. I look forward to it. I long for the day that I can be together with God in heaven. You haven't caught by now an application already thus far. This should be the same very spirit that we have when considering the fact that we will go to be together with God in heaven. Amen? Do we long for it? Do we look forward to the day? Do we live for the, for the day? Do we give our whole soul, heart, and flesh? Consider that for a moment. Uh, we have a hard enough time giving our soul, heart, and flesh to the ministry of God in the church, let alone our soul, heart, and, and flesh to the entirety of God's will uh, for our life and for the glory of God through our life. The psalmist speaks here in this entire reference of, I'm not living life on this earth for anything other than for God and with God in view. And Christian, it's unfortunate to say how much of our lives, how much of many Christians' lives are lived with only uh, portions of their life really given in proper biblical recognition to God, let alone the house of God and or heaven. Do we consider the fact that we will go to be together with God in heaven? Is that something we dwell on? Uh, truthfully, if we dwelt on heaven more, it would change the way we live. Amen? I know it would for me. <laughs> if I thought on the very fact that I will be together with God in heaven, where there's no more tears, no more crying, there's no, uh, there is no church, uh, there is no uh, suffering, there is no uh, nothing as could be compared on this earth, nothing that I could comprehend in my mind on this earth is going to be any, uh, anything... Um, really comparable to all that God has to give to us in heaven, do I dwell on that fact? Do I dwell on it? Sometimes our minds can be so exclusive to only that which is here and on this earth. 
including, and as I mentioned earlier, including even the church. Notice what the psalmist says here. He says, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. Okay, so for the very, uh, for heaven itself. But notice, my heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. The living God. Mark that in your Bible if you haven't already. Uh, our love, I wrote this down in my study here, our love must be focused on that which is in heaven and not just simply on heaven. Think about that. Our love must be focused on that which is in heaven and, uh, and not just simply on heaven. Sometimes the church member could find themselves doing the very same thing with a, with a church building. That we love the building, the church, before we recognize the one to whom we're worshiping within it. What a, what, how, that it should be said of Community Bible Church, what a lovely place that it is. It's beautified. It's sought to be taken care of and well cared for. But at the end of the day, do we focus upon God? So we take it a step further in our own individual life. Do we see heaven, but also do we long to see God? Amen? Yes, heaven is and will be a wonderful and glorious place. But why will it be so? Because God is there. Amen? That's something that, that uh, should, and if we get a hold of it, it'll change our whole perspective and our way of living. Could I remind you tonight, Christian, that there is nothing on this earth comparable to all that God is and already has prepared for us in heaven? Nothing. There's no pleasure. There's no satisfaction. There's no joy on this earth that could ever compare the, the, the working and the, uh, the working hours and the, the time and effort which we put in to the things in this earth uh, so pale in comparison to all that we should be working towards concerning those things which are eternal. It's sad to say that uh, we, it's not just a matter of well, how, how much you read your Bible, although you should read your Bible. Well, how faithful are you to ch church, although you should be in church. The point is, are your eyes and your mind, are they dwelling upon God in heaven? I long, my soul, my heart, my flesh longs to be together with God. Here's the unfortunate thing is Christians usually don't go, we, we might have our soul and our heart given to God, but our flesh doesn't so long for it. Think about the most some of the most satisfying things in this earth. <laughs> uh, food. Let's start with food, okay? How could that not be on the top of the list, right? There can be some truly satisfying to your taste buds foods on this earth. That, man, just to eat it is just like, uh, man, I got to go buy some just thinking about it type of food, right? Uh, for some, maybe that's ice cream, okay? Uh, for maybe uh, others, it could be pizza, right? <laughs> Um, and maybe it's something entirely different, you know. If it's on the, if it's on, a, if it's in a Mexican restaurant and it's on the menu, I want it, right? Uh, give me a T-bone steak and I'm, and I'm happy, you know. Uh, give me a uh, whatever. I, I, I just long for these certain kinds of foods. Uh, for some of it, it's maybe for us, it's it's sports. Uh, we just we thrive on it. We love to play it. We love to watch it. Uh, we, we love to get to know about the sports teams and the individuals and uh, maybe get to know about their lives. Uh, for other of us, uh, it can be something entirely different. The point is 
that our flesh enjoys these things on this earth, but does our flesh long for that communion together with God for all eternity? Because it should. It should. How do we keep ourselves in such check? Well, we're dwelling on it. We're placing ourselves in a position where we can't help but think about it. That's why we go to church, part reason. <laughs> That's why we read our Bible, part reason. That's why we pray to God that we would continue to dwell on Him and the things which He has promised and the things, the blessings that will come as a result of obedience and living for Him. I was just talking with someone this week and they were saying, man, all these things are going on in my life and this and this and this and this and this. And I said, you know what? At the end of the day, I, I can try to help you all I want to, but, but you have to be able to say, God, I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be committed to you. And so therefore, I'm going to be faithful to church. I'm going to be in my Bible. I'm going to be praying to God. I'm going to be striving to grow. I'm going to pursue those things which are eternal. And stop looking at the things of the, of the flesh on this earth. Amen? The Bible says in verse 3, Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. There's a lot of debate about what this verse entirely would mean. Undoubtedly, there is um, uh, some uniqueness in the types of birds which are mentioned. And uh, I having the, the time to go into that, we would not tonight, but uh, how can we not consider what the Word of God tells us in Matthew chapter 6? Why don't you turn there with me? Keep your finger here. Matthew 6, and verse 25, we consider the care of God. Uh, in Matthew 26, he mentions uh, this, very same, uh, this very same thing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? If you, if you haven't circled those two phrases in that ver verse, you should. Take no thought for your life. And the Bible says, is not the life more? There's more to life, okay, than just what we summarize it to be. God's the part of that. All right, he continues, verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air. That's the sparrows and the swallows. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet the heavenly Father feedeth them. Here's the question Jesus brings, are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? In other words, if God would so care for the sparrow, if God's eye is on the sparrow, does he not care for you? That's why we sing the song, his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he cares for me. Does, does our mind dwell upon that fact that God so cares for me in that way? That God is that interested in me? That God would go that far for me? If he would go that far for a sparrow, how much more would he do for me? Uh, I, I was sharing with you this individual I was talking with this week. Uh, it was also... Uh, sharing with me and just saying, you know, how, how uh, you know, uh, how could God ever forgive me all the things that I do and have gone through and have done in my life? And how could God ever care so much? <laughs> and this verse came to my mind just the same. 
If God would so care for the sparrow, in fact, you read Matthew 6, he speaks even further. If God would so care for the grass on the ground, if God would so care for nature in itself, how much more is mankind? But shame on us how little attention we, would give, to, we give to God in our dwelling. Could we use even the word meditation of God? We're just sitting and thinking on that eternal life which we will have together with God. I don't know if your heart's convicted as it is mine when I consider that thought. I, I like to only go so far as my flesh would take it and I say, man, uh, you know, what life it'll, it'll be, you know, spend, spend the rest of my life with my wife and we raise a family and we have all these things. And, uh, but do I dwell upon the life that I have together with God for all eternity? Oh, how much it would change our view, how much it would change our response, our whole way of living. Turn with me to Revelation 22. Revelation 22, John describes in just the closing uh, verses, really, of, of Revelation, uh, describes just a glimpse even further of, of that which is really going to be important in eternity, that which we should be dwelling on, and, and that which we have to look forward to. Revelation 22, and there's so much here, but let's just look at these couple verses. Verse 3, And there shall be no more curse, uh, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Again, there's a lot that's here, but understand this. There will be nothing more in heaven but God. That's worth living for. Amen? Yes, there's many other things. But what a wonder it will be. What a, what a great joy it will be. What a longing it should be for us on this earth that we should see Him face to face. Amen? Face to face with, with Christ my Savior. That we would so long to see the face of God. This is what the psalmist is thinking on. He says, my heart, my soul, my flesh, every part of my being longs to see heaven, but even more longs to see the living God. What a wonder. The Bible tells us as the word of God continues in Psalms, and I've lost my, my uh, bookmark here. I have to get back to it. Psalm 84. And as we continue into the following verses, we look at that next blessed uh, individual that is mentioned here. The Bible says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them. We are to dwell in the presence of God, but secondly, we are to lean on the strength of God. Lean on the strength of God. God says, Blessed and or happy is the man whose strength is in thee. Keep your finger here and turn to John chapter 14, if you would. John chapter 14. And let's look at verse number 5 and verse number 6. John chapter 14 and verse 5 and verse number 6. I read to you the psalm again and then we're going to look at this passage. The word of God says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them. Okay, so in whose heart are the ways of them. John 14, verse 5, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Let's back up to get some context here. Verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And Thomas is typical response as we've seen him to be in such questioning of God. How can we know the way? In other words, what are you talking about? <laughs> Jesus responds, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way. So we come back to Psalm in, verse, in chapter 84, verse 5. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are in the ways of them. Jesus is the way. You know that word way as you would study it. And if you were to study it, you would find uh, in its mentioning in Scripture, it, it literally means highway. And we're talking about our, our heart being in the ways of them. In other words, it's our heart is a highway to heaven. Okay, Jesus lives there and we've given our life to God. In other words, this is speaking of every believer. We know where we're going to spend eternity. Blessed is the individual who is a believer in Christ, uh, but as a believer in Christ, they're putting their strength, they're, placing, they're, they're uh, leaning on the strength of God. So Jesus is that way, okay? Our hearts are that highway, so to speak, to heaven. We know where we will spend eternity, but are we leaning on that strength of God? Verse number 6, Who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well, the rain also filleth the pools. Now again, this is a passage of scripture that uh, for some might debate the back and forth. We, we, we work from the known to the unknown. And tonight we have the time to look at that which we know. That word baka literally means to weep. To weep. So as it, scripture says, who passing through the valley of weeping make it a well. So we're talking about dependence upon the strength of God. Here we we live, we journey in the Christian life. The journey for God, to live for God, is not always a life of happiness. Although a life that's surrendered to God is promised happiness and blessing. Amen? But at times there is weeping. At times there is sorrow. But the Bible tells us, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well, it is God himself who can take that which is dry and make it to be a well. The rain also filleth the pools. That which was dried up, God will bring his blessing upon. Are we trusting God to make those dry moments of life a well? Trusting him for strength. Verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. In other words, we're, that we are walking in the power that God gives. God gives strength to go in the midst of danger, in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of disappointments, from strength to strength. Everything that we go through in life, we need a different level of strength for, but a strength that we need from God. We're depending upon him for it. God says, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. Word of God continues in verse 8. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Hear my prayer. You know, the greatest resource of the journey of the Christian life is prayer. Amen. When we have any need, when we have any concern, when we need strength, we can come to the throne of grace. Praise the Lord for that. Amen? And not only can we just bring our needs to God, but we can believe and rest assured that God will hear and answer our prayers. Amen? The point and place that we must come to is I'm going to depend upon God to accomplish it in His time. I'm depending on that strength from God. 
So we're dwelling in the presence of God. We're leaning on the strength of God. But number three, we're joying in the service of God. We're delighting, we're joying in the service of God. In verse 9, Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. There's, there's this dwelling now upon what it will be like when we're together with God in heaven. What the psalmist is saying, when I go to be together with God, behold our God and our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. There will be no more worries. We'll only but desire to see his face when we're together with God in heaven. Because the sin nature will not be there. We'll receive a new body. All things will be different. So the goal and intent of the believer on this earth is that we would seek to live as uh, though we are already together with God in heaven. Amen? You know, service and obedience to God can really be uh, just the, the, a very glimpse of what heaven is like. What I mean by that is to serve God today and to find joy in it. And to give your heart, your soul, and your flesh to God in such a way is only but a glimpse of what heaven will be like. Here's the sad part. His churches are dwindling uh, with believers who are uh, believing in the work of the gospel, knocking on doors, who are believing in the work of the gospel and sharing their testimony, sharing, others with, uh, sharing with others about Christ. Or for that matter, volunteering in the work of God and serving where, to whatever capacity for the furtherance of the gospel. We're so consumed in our own flesh, our sin nature, that we've, we forget, hey, when we go to be with God in heaven, that's all we'll be doing is serving. Amen? Somebody says, well, I can't teach a Sunday school class. I can't work with children. I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, it's not about what we can't do for God, it's what are we doing for God? Because if we're not serving God on this earth and finding joy in it, that being the other side of the coin, okay, uh, what do we expect to be doing in heaven? Because that's all we'll be doing. If, if, all, if we have a proper view of God and proper view of heaven, we're going to be seeking to find joy in serving God on this earth. And, and, and by the way, it, it has to be a if you're married here tonight, a husband-wife mutual decision, we are together. We are going to serve God together. Amen? We're going to find joy in it. And if there's no joy in your quote-unquote service, then it's truthfully not an honorable receiving the blessing from God's service. God's not being given the glory through it. I, I am a firm believer in, in uh, any service to God, there has to be a point of break, right? I need a break. There's our flesh, yes, we depend upon the strength of God, but our flesh grows weary. No one says that the work of God is to be easy peasy, lemon squeezy, okay? Some things are easier than others. But working with people to help them know about God and unbelievers who have never heard about God that's not as easily said as it is done. You, you take a, a child who's never heard about God, they've never sat in church, they don't know anything about the Lord, and you try to teach them those things, they can be a little bit frustrating. My mom says, well, yeah, the older you get, the more annoying kids get. You know, So uh, it gets even more frustrating the older that you get. Take it even a step further. You, you take a, a 40 to 60-year-old individual and try to disciple them 
and, and, and how to live for God, it takes a lot of work. If that person has never surrendered themselves to God and never has been taught in those things, they're going to have a hard time even showing up for church. It takes work. It, it's, it gets weary in the doing of it. And so Scripture tells us that uh, if we are to live with such a mindset of God and of heaven and of what heaven will be like, so we are going to be seeking and striving to find joy in serving God on this earth. Remember who we're doing it for. Amen? The psalmist says, I'm, I, I'm not just looking at, for the tabernacle. I'm not just looking to see what heaven will look like. I'm not just going there because I'll be able to eat all I want to and I'll never get full. <laughs> I'm not just desiring to go there because there's no more pain and there's no more suffering. Although all that heaven has to offer is lovely. It's beautiful. It's to be longed for. But he says, my heart, my soul, my flesh desires to see the face of God. To be together with God in such a way. Is that our desire on this earth? that we would have such communion with God in such a way. I'm telling you, our service to God would change entirely when we get a hold of what the psalmist is saying here in this passage. It stirs me up, and for goodness sake, I'm a pastor. Of all people, I should be, uh, I, I, I should be uh, finding joy in serving God. But boy, we can, uh, in our flesh, we can grow weary. And that's why we back up even to the second point. We've got to lean on the strength of God. We can't do it in our own flesh. And by the way, if you're, if you're serving God in any capacity, whether in this church or to some level outside of the church, but you're, you're, you're obeying God, you're serving God in the, for the furtherance of the gospel, for the glory of God, uh, uh, be, be sure that uh, um, you are doing it in God's strength. Uh, because, yes, you can push yourself. Yes, you can do things to a certain degree in your own strength. Uh, but there's no telling what God can do through you when you depend upon Him and His strength. Amen? Joyful, joying in the service of God. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at this verse, and then we'll look at verse 11 and 12, and we'll be done tonight. 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse number 8. Joying in the service of God. 2 Peter 3 and verse number 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. There's probably much, most likely in Peter's mind as this was being written, this very psalm that we just read. Verse 10, I'll read it to you again in verse of Psalm 84. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. He says one day in the service of God is better than a thousand days in this earth doing whatever I want. One day in the service of God is better than a thousand, uh, a thousand days in this earth going to all the sports events, doing all the most satisfying, pleasurable things that it could ever be done upon the face of this earth, even beyond marriage, even beyond children, even beyond anything else I could even comprehend upon this earth, one day with God is so much greater than a thousand days. And consider this, believer, consider this, Christian. God has already promised you that you will be together with God after life on this earth. 
you'll be together with God for all eternity. It won't just be one day, it'll be many days. But shame on me, shame on you, shame on us that we live thousands of days on this earth and don't even consider one day together with God. That's convicting. <laughs> it's convicting for me. Do I dwell on the presence of God? My heart, my soul, my flesh. Do I dwell and, and consider the strength that God can give to me? I don't have to live the Christian life on my own. I have the, the strength of God behind me. And God promises me, blessed is the man and or happy is the man that does these things. But as a result in seeking to live that blessed life, now my service to God is so much sweeter. It's so much more enjoyable. It's so much more longed for because I'm dwelling on Him. Because I'm depending on His strength. Because I long to see Jesus face to face. That's what the psalmist is saying. And you know what the word selah means? As we see twice here in this psalm alone in other passages, it, it has the idea of meaning think about it. Think about it. Notice the times in which he uses, blessed are they that dwell in thy house and they will be still praising thee. Think about it. He says it again in verse 8. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayers. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. That is, think about it. Oh, that we would so take time, even as we talked about this morning, to just stop and see the salvation of God. God has provided us the salvation through his blood, a bridge to heaven, simply by faith, believing that he's able. It's not that we don't have the faith. It's not that we're not believers. But are we dwelling? Dwelling on the presence that we'll have together with him. Are we depending? Depending on the strength that he has to give us. And are we finding joy in serving God today? We're right on the verge of revival meetings. And um, the intent of those meetings is to revive us. <laughs> to stir us up. And you know why typical in really about any church you go in there's often a revival in the spring and a revival in the winter because they're both are periods of time in which that reviving is very much needed we revive a lot of other things in the springtime we, we cultivate the ground we run the tiller we plant seeds we, oh we got some spotty grass in the yard I'm going to plant seed down in the, in the yard too I gotta get the sprinklers going. Those things haven't been running all the time. I gotta clean the shed out. The shed's been piling up with stuff all winter. I gotta clean the closet out. It's the whole winter we've just been throwing stuff in there and it's just an absolute mess. I gotta go through the kids' clothes and sort through it and pull out all the next sizes for the next time in which they grow into it. Oh, we plan and prepare for so many other things. But do we do so for when we go to be together with God? What a convicting pastor scripture. And and encouraging. Amen. That we'll, we will see God face to face. Uh, um, th there, is, there is no greater joy uh, that we could ever really dwell upon than that we will be together with God in heaven. My mind can't help but go and, and consider Bob Foose tonight. And, and uh, I'm, in some ways I'm envious of him. He's already there. He's together with God. Uh, he's, he's 
uh, now not just one day, all eternity together with God in heaven. Every time somebody passes, you know, I think here in, and, um, uh, you know, even in, in recent days and those from our church or a part of our church, Bill Bohr and uh, Niven Hornick and now uh, Bob Foos, every single time it, it, it takes me back a step to consider the brevity of life. We don't have all, uh, you know, all, we, we don't have all the time in the world in this earth. And all the thousands of days that we're given on this earth, are we using in, in those days heart, soul, and mind dwelling on God? Um, Christian, do you just need to stop? Slow down a little bit. We get so busy in life. Busyness isn't bad. It keeps you alive, I believe. Uh, we, we get so, you know, work-minded. I've got to get this done, get these things done. But what about the work of God? I think on the ends of a pastor, I can't, I, how can I not? I'm a pastor, right? And uh, how is the work of God to go forward? Well, it's through God's church, God's people. But as I consider this psalm, how can God's church progress anywhere if God's church and or God's people don't get a hold of the psalm, the message of this psalm? I'm dwelling on the things of God. I'm so surrendered to God. There's nothing more that I desire to give my time to. The hours upon hours we give to the television, to the cell phone, to, uh, you know, the family. And little, so little given to God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to make this psalm uh, a, 